0: Chapter 4 of A Narrative of the Life of Reverend Noah Davis, a Colored Man. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Brian Ness A Narrative of the Life of Reverend Noah Davis, a Colored Man, by himself. Chapter 4 marriage license to preach purchase of freedom a call to baltimore i had not been a member of the church a great while before i formed an attachment to a young woman who ultimately became my wife i have ever regarded her as the special gift of god to me she embraced religion about the same time that i did we had been acquainted with each other for several years previous and although we associated frequently in the same social circle together yet nothing of a special liking had manifested itself until the day she was baptized but we were both slaves and of course had to get the consent of our owners before we went further My wife belonged to the late Carter L. Stevenson, Esquire, who was a brother to Hon. Andrew Stevenson of Virginia. My wife's master was quite indulgent to the servants about the house. He never restrained visitors from coming on his premises to visit his domestics. It was said he had the likeliest set of servant-girls in the town, and though I cannot say I got the prettiest, yet I think I got the best one among them. WE HAVE LIVED HAPPILY TOGETHER AS HUSBAND AND WIFE FOR THE LAST TWENTY-EIGHT YEARS. WE HAVE HAD NINE CHILDREN, SEVEN BORN IN SLAVERY, AND TWO SINCE MY WIFE'S FREEDOM. FIVE OUT OF THE SEVEN IN SLAVERY I HAVE BOUGHT, TWO ARE STILL IN BONDAGE. BEFORE LONG THE BRETHREN CHOSE ME TO FILL THE OFFICE OF A DEACON. BUT IT NEVER SEEMED TO ME TO BE THE PLACE THAT GOD DESIGNED FOR ME, THOUGH I FELT WILLING TO DO WHATEVER LAY IN MY POWER FOR GOD'S GLORY AND THE GOOD OF HIS PEOPLE the impression made upon my mind at my conversion to talk to sinners increased on me until i could wait no longer i related my convictions of duty to my brethren and particularly to one who was always held in high esteem for his piety and excellent character a colored brother armistead walker My case was first brought by him before the colored portion of the church, and after a full hearing of my statement by the white brethren with regard to my call to preach, etc., I was licensed to preach the gospel and exhort sinners to repentance, as opportunity might be afforded. I had ample opportunities at that time for doing good by preaching to my fellow men, both in town and country. Several other colored brethren, about this time, gave evidence of having been called of God to the work of preaching the gospel. Among these was a dear brother named Alexander Daniel. He was a bright and shining light among our people, and everything considered I think he was the best preacher of color I ever heard. But, alas, he is no more! He was esteemed as a Christian minister, and his friends, both white and colored, united in erecting a monument over his grave. In my attempts to preach the gospel to my fellow sinners I often felt embarrassed, not knowing how to read a chapter in the Bible correctly. My desires now increased for such a knowledge of the sacred scriptures as would enable me to read a chapter publicly to my hearers. I thought that if I had all my time at my own command I would devote it all to divine things, This desire, I think, led me more than anything else to ask permission of my master, Dr. F. Patton, to purchase my freedom. I made this a subject of prayer, both night and day, that God would show me what he would have me to do. I felt encouraged to hope that I should find favor with my owner, as he had always treated me kindly. But how shall I get the purchase money, provided he grants my request?" This appeared a difficult matter, but I thought if my master would give me a chance, that I should be able to raise the money. I went to him and stated my wishes, informing him why I wanted to be free, that I had been led to believe the Lord had converted my soul and had called me to talk to sinners. He granted my request, without a single objection, fixing my price at five hundred dollars." But now I had to tell him that I had no money, and that I desired him to grant me another request, which was to let me travel and find friends who would give me the money. After learning my wishes fully, he consented, and told me when I got ready to start he would give me a pass to go where I pleased. I thanked him sincerely for this privilege, and, after making arrangements in the way of obtaining suitable letters of recommendation, I left Fredericksburg in June 1845 for Philadelphia, New York, Boston, etc. After spending nearly four months in visiting the northern cities I returned home, with about one hundred and fifty dollars, greatly disheartened. Previous to going north I had raised about a hundred and fifty dollars, which I had already paid on my debt. The cause of my failure to raise all the money, I believe, was that I was unaccustomed to addressing large congregations of strangers, and often, when I was favored with an opportunity of presenting my case to the people, I would feel such embarrassment that I could scarcely say anything, and I met another obstacle which discouraged me very much, which was that some persons would tell me they sympathized with me in my efforts to get free but, they said, it was against their principles to give money to buy slaves. I confess this was new to me, and would cut me down much in my spirits. Still, I found generous and noble-hearted friends who treated me with every mark of kindness. I began to wonder to myself whether God was in this matter or not, and, if so, why I had not succeeded." However, having returned home, I went to work at my trade, for the purpose of earning the remainder of the money. Having paid what I was able toward my debt, and reserving enough to open a shop, upon my own account, my old boss, Mr. Wright, my true and constant friend, became my protector, so that I might carry on my business lawfully. In this, however, I was not very successful. But I had not been long engaged at it before I received a communication from my white Baptist friends in Baltimore through my pastor, Rev. Samuel Smith, informing me that if I would come to Baltimore and accept an appointment as missionary to the colored people of that city, they would assist me in raising the balance of the money then due upon myself. This was indeed an unexpected, and to me an undesired call. I began to think, how can I leave my wife and seven small children to go to Baltimore to live a distance of more than a hundred miles from them? This, I thought, could not be. I thought my children would need my watchful care, more now than at any other time. It is true they were all slaves, belonging to a rich widow lady but she had always given me the entire control of my family. Now if I should leave them at their tender age, mischief might befall them. Still, as the letter from Baltimore was from gentlemen of the best standing, it became me to give them an answer. This I could not do without first consulting my master. I did so, and after giving the matter a careful consideration, he thought I had better go and see those gentlemen. He was perfectly willing to leave the matter to me the result was that i accepted the offer of the brethren in baltimore and by them i was enabled to pay the debt i owed and i have never had cause to repent it though i had misgivings sometimes when i would get into trouble but i have found those who were my friends at first are my friends still In a few weeks after I arrived in Baltimore, 1847, the White Baptists, who were favorable to the mission in behalf of the colored people, secured for me an appointment as missionary of the domestic board of the Southern Baptist Convention, in connection with the Maryland Baptist Union Association. I now felt a debt of gratitude to these dear friends that I could not show more acceptably to them than by engaging heartily in the work to which I had been thus called, I went to work first by hiring a room in a private house, where I would collect what few children I could get together in a Sabbath school i continued in this place for nearly a year teaching the little children and preaching to a few grown persons who would come in at times to hear what this baptist man had to say and who after satisfying their curiosity would generally leave me During my stay in this locality I could not find half a dozen colored Baptists who would take hold with me in this missionary enterprise. There were some, few, attached to white churches, but only two of those showed any disposition to help me in this great and good work. I found that everybody loved to go with the multitude, and it was truly uphill work with me. I found some who are called anti-mission or old-school Baptists who, when I called upon them, would ask of what faith I was, and when I would reply that I belonged to what I understood to be the regular Baptists they would answer, then you are not of our faith, etc. Now I felt lonely indeed, separated far from home, from family, from dear brethren and friends, thrown among strangers in a strange place, Those I came to benefit stood aloof from me, and seemed to look upon all my movements with distrust and suspicion, and opposed to all I was trying to do for the moral and spiritual benefit of our degraded race. But, thanks be to God, all I found in Baltimore were not of this stamp. Those of the white Baptists, who had been the means of calling me to this field, adhered to me like brethren indeed. Could I feel at liberty to mention names, I would bring to notice some dear friends who have ever stood by me in all my efforts to do good, and whose acts of disinterested benevolence have been rarely equalled. But their labors of love are recorded on high, and I must forbear. End of chapter 4 Recorded by Brian Ness